Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Pat, I'm Rajan, and we are recording one day or a day and some change after the Washington football team beat the Cincinnati Bengals by a final score of 20 to 9. And, um, you know, we, we might have had the ability to, pot, to um, record this podcast actually the same evening if we were so inclined. And um, I was texting Pat right after the game as we were kind of coordinating when we wanted to record this. And I, I mentioned that I took no joy in this win whatsoever. Um, I think given the circumstances of what happened, in particular to Cincinnati's quarterback, which I'll touch on in a moment, like it was just really hard as an objective football fan to say that like, Oh, we want a game to be really thrilled about it. And I get it. I know the Neanderthal football brigade are going to come out and say, well, what that's football or nobody's going to feel any sympathy for us. If that was our quarterback and all sorts of tired cliches. But um, to me, the fact remains we were getting totally outplayed by Cincinnati. And the only thing that turned the tide in this game was by unintentionally, although it felt a little dirty if you kind of took a step back and look at it, but we won't go there necessarily. Um, But in uh, the unintentional hit on Joe Burrow that resulted in the catastrophic and very, very likely, if not absolutely career altering knee injury that he suffered. Um, Today, the reports came out that it's a torn ACL, a torn MCL, an additional quote unquote structural damage, whatever that means, but that's a lot. It It means it's bad. It's really bad. And it happened to easily one of the NFL's brightest, most exciting young stars, young being like first or second year in the league, and the, easily the runaway favorite for the offensive rookie of the year. Um, until that moment, we couldn't pass the ball. We couldn't really run it for the most part. We were not, once again, that great against the run. And we definitely had very little luck in stopping Burrow from walking up the, walking the ball up and down the field, at least between the 20s. And it was very obvious that the emotional gut punch and the change of circumstances as a result of Burrow going down shifted the entire tide of the game. Um, I mean, you know, Ryan Finley, who, I kept thinking he was actually, I was so like unaware of who this guy was. I thought he was Ryan Lindley, the guy from the Cardinals a few years back, who was also garbage. But Ryan Finley. Was pretty good at, uh, he was pretty good at NC State. Yeah. So he was second year guy. I don't know. I mean, he feels like at best his entire career is going to be relegated to be a journeyman quarterback. I, I looked at him. I'm like, dude, you look like a United Colors of Benetton catalog model more than you look like a quarterback. Like, I, d- I don't think you know. I don't think you have any worth in this or whatever. But um, you know, a W is a W, I suppose. If we're going to use the stupid cliches, um, but that was my thoughts. I and that's why you know more than anything else, I was like, I'm not even excited to talk about a win because just given the backdrop and stuff like that i'm like you can't be a football fan and like take any joy watching what happened to a guy who was just playing he was playing marvelously to be honest with you and then it took this for us to kind of win this game so i'm gonna stop there and i'm open up to you pat um yeah i don't give a shit uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a win is a win and i will take it to the bank any day of the week um, especially because everyone else in the NFC East now has three wins. Um, look, the, the Burrow thing, it breaks my heart for him because he is so good. He, I mean, he probably wasn't going to win Rookie of the Year. I think Herbert's going to end up running away with that, well, especially now, but even before him. But, like, there's no denying Burrow's a freaking stud. I mean, that ball was out of his hands 
so fast every time. He knew where he knew where he was going with the ball. His little slight pocket presence was so much better than anything that you know our first round pick, who will not be named, uh, has shown. Like Burrow's just really good. I made a now, note. I, I made a uh, comment in my notes at least two or three times. I'm like, he is. Uh, he has an uncanny resemblance. Obviously, the height is a little different, but he has an uncanny resemblance to me in the way that Drew, Ble- Drew Brees played. I'm like, if you had my comp for what he could be, Drew Brees was the name that kept coming up. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, there was a play. I, th- I want to say it was their drive right after Tampa just scored, by the way. Just let's make this extra point and cash in. Your boy, uh, Godwin. Hey, shout out Chester Tynes. Godwin's going to be a skin next year. Um, unless he wants $20 million a year, and then he can kick rocks. Uh, Right after we forced the fumble, which was just a wild play, uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure, because Chase Young's the man. Um, but it, we were up seven nothing. They were driving, and I don't, I forget, I don't know the down, down or distance, but they're around midfield, and he hit um, Boyd down the middle, and Boyd was pretty much wide open. I think he brought it, got it all the way down to the four or five yard line, where our guy Apke made the tackle. Um, Fucking Apke, but. The little subtlety that Burrow does in the pocket, he sides, he steps with it, and he actually, if you watch him, he brings the ball from here down because Allen's swiping, and he just kind of goes like that, resets, and then throws a dart. And I was like, damn, you're good. Um, Having said that, we have been on the other end of that so many times, and it sounds terrible, and it's probably going to come back to bite me in the ass, but, like, I'm happy we won. Uh, in the second half, once again, our, our offense just decided to start playing football. Um, you know, shout-outs to the offensive line. They were very good. Gibson, Gibson's really good. It takes, like, six players to bring him down. Uh, I was excited that he actually got more snaps than McKissick for a change. Uh, slightly, but he did. Yeah, it's literally one. Yeah. Um, uh, Barber got some snaps, too. I think a lot of that had to do with uh, go-overs. Go uh, a lot of it had to do with, I think we're playing on Thursday and I just think Rivera was trying to spell people left and right. Um, but I was, I was encouraged. I mean, talk about the most Alex Smith game of all time. Just like take care of the ball. That, that pick was bad, but like the dude was six, eight sitting in the middle of the field. So I don't know if that's Rhea's fault, Smith's fault, a little bit of a combo. Uh, but otherwise Smith was, well, he was Smith, very efficient. Then think and dunk. We had that one hit to Terry and I'm, I mean, hell of a catch by Terry. Uh, we had like three or four chunk running plays, but I think the most exciting thing is we had 20 first downs Sunday. Ten of them came came by rushing. Nine of them came uh, by passing with one penalty. That's like extremely balanced. Um, now Burrow did change the game. Finley, not good. Uh, they also, to your point about like kind of, I think it broke the Bengals' uh, spirit a little. Watch Kerrigan sack. The left tackle, or excuse me, right tackle, like, doesn't block him. <laughs> yeah. He, like, really just stands I, I, up. Kerrigan just goes blue. right around him. It was one of the easiest sacks probably of Kerrigan's career. Uh, you know, and it's it's good to see T- Settle get another sack. He now has four. Uh, I think uh, Sweat had a sack. Uh, and then there was a half sack between Moreland and a seven-round pick from NC State Smith, Williams, or William Smith, whatever his name is. Uh, look, we only gave up nine points. Even with Burrow semi-balling out and eating chunks of yards, when he got hurt, it was 9-7 to seven in the third quarter, and we just forced him to punt. And then we went down and scored right away. 
Um, I'll take the win. Uh, we have been, I said last week, bad teams find, find ways to lose. We didn't find a way to lose this game. It's encouraging. Any win is just so, we've only won seven games in our last like 33 games. It's nice. And it sets up, take it, it sets up, it sets up Thanksgiving. That's like the biggest game we've had in years. We're going to get to that one in a second. Um, for Uh, sure. But I I I also don't give a shit that Burrow got hurt. I'll take the win. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I, I I look at bad for him. Exactly. Um, it just gave me a lot of flashes. I, I, he, he's another he who shall not be named, but like, just remember the, what we felt when RG3 went down and it just, Oh, I was there. Exactly. Like, and we talked about this and it just reminded me so much of that. And that like, it's or not Alex just Smith. the, Oh fuck now it's the, Oh fuck for how long in the future. And are you even going to get the same guy? Um, somebody, I can't remember where it was compared the injury to what Carson Palmer sustained. I think it was a wild card game against the Steelers. Team of Unolhofen when he went down and changed like the first play of the game or something. Like that. Some very early. And like, yeah. I think I remember that. Palmer went for an ACL and MCL. Now the structural damage, whatever that means is obviously the wild card in all of this. Um, I, for whatever it's worth, I don't think Burrow could or should be ready for next year's training camp. If it was up to me, it's obviously not. I would try to redshirt Burrow if such a thing existed for all of next year. I know they're not going to do that because that's going to take away from someone's, you know, from him playing and developing, but I just don't think he's going to be the same guy. Um, I tweeted out after the game that saying that, look, it's not all gloom and doom per se. Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in his, in his rookie year, like, on a freak middle of the week practice. Um, it's obviously not the same injury that Burrow sustained. And, you know, after a year of struggling and also being not struggling, but like, you know, recovering and struggling in the sense that he was playing for a Bill O'Brien team. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I will take There's, that. I mean, there's, there's a couple instances, right? Like, and this isn't probably a good example right this minute because he's playing so poorly, but like Wentz had the exact same injury. He had ACL, MCL and structural damage, whatever that means. Teddy Bridgewater's knee snapped in half. He's come back. Wentz is a better, I mean, uh, Bridgewater is a better example. Wentz, I don't yeah. know what happened, man. He sucks. Um, Wentz, I, I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it to anyone who will listen. Carson Wentz, two, uh, 2017, is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever, young quarterbacks I've ever seen. I will fight anyone who says that he should have won the MVP that year over Tom Brady. He was so, 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 so good. That guy's never been the same. He was fucking terrifying that year. And I was like, we got to deal with this guy for the next decade. And I, I, I didn't want any part of that. Now we're talking about dealing with, uh, what's his name? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I, uh, I hope the other, the other thing I think about with Burrow, not to like make this a Cincinnati Bagels Burrow thing, but uh, I am now, I have a whole new appreciation for athletes that come back from these injuries. But like the fact that Alex Smith can play quarterback right now. Yes. Like, these guys are going to be okay. They're going to they're going to heal. Like Alex Smith has no business playing football. Dude had no leg, and I just like and the way AC, everyone tears the ACL in football now. I feel like, or not like everyone, but probably worse for quarterbacks. But my point is like Burrow will be back. Yes, uh, the, time, the, the timeline. I don't know what that'll be. My guess is halfway through next year. But the best thing uh, for him, if such a thing exists, is that he's like what twenty two or twenty three, right? Like. 
the body's it's going to regenerate so, itself. Modern medicine is incredible. I say that all the time when we're like, oh my God, I don't know if a player can come back from this injury. You know, modern medicine's fucking amazing. It's just the, the compound level of that. Again, the ACL and the MCL is one thing. Again, whatever the structural damage, quote unquote, thing means. Um, again, hoping for the best from Bullets transition off this Making a Joe Burrow last thing, podcast. Last Go thing. Go AP towards ACL and MCL. He ran for 2,000 yards in a year. AP, man. Although no longer. Father Time has finally caught up with him, but like Adrian Still, Peterson. Yeah, I know yeah. he's a freak. I know he's yeah. a freak, but I'm saying it's possible. <laughs> um, let's get to our traditional favorite part of the uh, podcast, the three up, three down. We'll start with a three down, and um, I want to make sure that the uh, weekly commemorative three down award uh, bearer for forever, Troy Apke, is mentioned. Um, just because he's Troy Apke. And as I, I didn't even put him my down because I just like, he sucks. He, um, I can't remember when it was. I have it in my notes. I didn't want to comb through it, but like he had the interception squared, deadlocked, perfectly hit, like going right between his eyes, and he dropped it because that's Troy Apke. Um, there was another play that I feel like he got beat again. I didn't want to comb my through my notes of trying to find it, but there's a play the uh, early in the game. Darby breaks up a long ball to T. Higgins in the end zone, and Mark Bullock tweeted out today. He was like, "I literally have no idea what Apke's doing." <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you it's it's every like, week. in other, it's every in other week. news, water's wet, you know? God, I'm so glad he was my, like, I hate you before the season pick. Because, God, he's bad. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but I'm going to touch on this also right now. Um, the commentators during the game made a, a, a good observation, and that's rare, where that Washington was playing basically this really soft defense. Actually, going back to the Mark Bullock quote, uh, Mark Bullock mentioned that Washington was playing this soft quarters defense the whole time and this soft zone, basically almost like a prevent defense, if you will. And they were just letting Cincinnati kind of take everything underneath. I thought that was a moronic game plan. Again, I'm not a coach. I fully recognize that, but that was an idiotic game plan considering one of the f- stats they flashed up on the screen during the game was that Cincinnati had one of, was the team with the most drives of 10 yards or more in the NFL. So they are a death by paper cut team. And we were like, you know what? kill us by paper cut like go ahead and take you know like the old you can't go broke taking a profit thing right but they're like okay fine just six yards away down the field every single play and by and large until the burrow injury they did that Uh, but i going where i'm going with this is that so they play like a soft quarters coverage the whole time i'm almost positive he'll never admit it but like they did that because they wanted to protect apke getting beat deep over the top oh i would i would put my fucking fidelity count on what you just said Apke is so bad, we have to scheme our defense around him. Yes, I, I, that, exactly. You said it very eloquently there. That, like, we literally had to shift the way we played because we're like, fuck, Troy Apke's on the field. Yeah, because he's horrible. Um, the, uh, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't put Apke in my down. I only sent you two downs, I think, uh, because it, I, it's just so established now that I'm just like, you know what? He's always down. The other down I had, I don't know if you had the same one, is Logan. I mean, we, we talked literally last week about how Logan Thomas is Jekyll and Hyde. Some games are okay, some games. He was terrible yesterday. Or, yeah, yesterday. Um, he almost caused what would have been a brutal pick on a little rollout, and Smith dumped it to him, and he bobbled it and popped the ball in the air. And I was I like, oh, my. I remember <laughs> that. Um, yeah, just a, yeah, just a brutal game from him in general. Uh, I think he only had one catch. Um, he was targeted a few times. In decent blocking, but, like, this, yeah, is why he's not, he, this is why he's not a tight end one. He just, very, very nondescript game. Nothing exciting. and I mean, nothing noteworthy about him uh, outside of that play, which, you know, noteworthy in a bad way. Um, 
my big, so I, I didn't have Logan Thomas. He, of all the things that kind of went wrong yesterday, I didn't really decide to put him among the list. Um, I, I said the linebackers or the rushing defense for the second week in a row made an appearance. I said Bostic. Um, yeah, you called out Bostic specifically. I just said the linebackers in general. I think we heard KPL's name once during the game, but basically once again, it's one of those things where like if the defensive line just holds their blocks, the running back is going to get to the second level of the defense. I don't know what our linebackers are doing on any given play. It's it's like you could no, tell me that, that we're playing four defensive linemen and then four guys in the secondary and there's no one in between it, and I would believe you. Like they're literally nowhere to be found. I think I saw Cole Holcomb once during the game. I think I did, or maybe I'm just making it up. But like I think he flashed once. It was like maybe towards the end of the first half or something. Um, you know, it, the numbers weren't terrible. Like looking at it, it's actually – Low, much lower than I thought they were, that Giovanni Bernard only had nine carries for 18 yards, and our boy Samaje V. Ryan had uh, 19 yards on five carries. But it just felt like they were they were getting little bits here and there for a team that was just really bad at running the football and didn't have Joe Mixon and won't have him for several weeks. Lord help us if Joe Mixon was actually playing this game. And, um, again, it's just they're nowhere to be found. Somebody also – I. I Credit where credit is due, and I just I don't know who it was, so I didn't write it down. But they were like, you know what? Screw wide receiver, screw wide receiver, screw offensive line. Lord, this team needs a tight end that can cover. This team that needs a tight end that can move uh, tight end, a linebacker that can move in space more than anything else on the field. And I'm like, I am hard pressed to disagree with you. I have been screaming safety for God knows how long, but if you told me linebacker is the number one need on this team, I'm I'm really hard pressed to disagree with you. Yeah, the who's the linebacker came out of Georgia a few years is Roquan, Roquan Smith. Smith. Is that like I watch him play and I'm like, damn, it'd be sweet to have somebody that can just cover and sit in the middle. He hasn't been as good as he was in college, granted. No, he hasn't. But, he was amazing in college. But my point stands is like I watch all these teams, these linebackers, and I'm just like, God damn it. Um I mean it's literally how the Ravens were so good for so long defensively. They just had stacked linebackers every year. Um, yeah, I had Bostic. I, I singled him out because, um, one, I agree with you, the linebacker play just isn't very good. Um, but I singled him out because for the first time all year, his snap count came way down. Uh, and in fact, we saw a bunch of uh, Thomas Davis for the first time since week five. Uh, and he was substing in, subbing in for Bostic. And that stood out to me because, A, Thomas Davis is slower than me. Uh, he's he's a professional be. athlete. I mean, he let Ryan Finley run for 20 yards and he couldn't catch him. Uh, and B, like, if Bostick's being replaced by a guy that can barely play now, that's not a good look. Uh, Holcomb's snap cat was down uh, as well. So I, And Rivera's been quick to call the linebackers multiple times. Um, so just generally, I'm cool with saying the linebackers are down. Uh you could almost convince me if we're picking high to take was it Parsons from Michigan State or Penn State, uh, even though I'm, I'm rolling the dice on whatever quarterbacks there. Uh, but you could make an argument with me with with Parsons because God, we need some young blood that can move and really run. Uh, I mean, Kiko Kiko Alonso was let go today. I'm like, throw a flyer at him. He can run. <laughs> can't be worse. He can't be worse than what uh, freaking Bostic. 
something crept up on my timeline. It was funny. We recorded this. We talked about Parsons and Laws podcast and something crept up in the, in on my timeline over the course of the week. So um, when I was doing my NFL scouting or my top ranking thing for the, this past NFL draft, and I was talking about um, Etor Grossmatos, who was the defensive end for Penn State. I think he went in the second round to Carolina. Maybe it was the first round. Uh, no, Carolina, I don't think he had a first round pick. So he went the second round. Defensive end, really highly thought of, high character, high coaching. I mean, uh, you know, well said, liked by the coaches, blah, blah, blah. There was this, like, scandal kind of going along under the surface at Penn State where, like, there was a bunch of hazing and a bunch of players doing some really lewd and bad stuff to a bunch of their own teammates. And then um, Gross Mottos was – kind of implicated in that but no one talked about it and it was just kind of like why isn't anyone talking about this um so getting back to the point parson's name came up again several times in those allegations for that same thing and i'm like eh, i don't know how much i like this anymore because i wrote about it when i was talking about gross motto's flashiest draft and parson's name came up a few times it was in relation to james franklin kind of you know letting the inmates run the asylum over there and like how basically he just doesn't give a shit about anything so yeah. um from a talent standpoint love parson's off the field stuff, I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. Um, one thing I will say about the linebacker spot is that I'm with you that quarterback remains like if you're going to be that high up in the draft, you've got to go get it. You can get a really good athletic linebacker in the second round of this year's draft. I mean, not this year, but like in the draft in general. Like, look at, some of the, yeah. look at the top, some of the top linebackers in the league. Like, Darius Leonard from the Colts is my favorite example. Like, when people drafted him, everyone laughed at Chris Ballard. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's one of the top seven linebackers in the NFL, if not higher. Levante David is one of my favorite linebackers in the NFL on Tampa Bay, right? Everyone's like, oh, he's too small and blah, 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 and stuff like that. Yeah, he's awesome. Or uh, KJ Wright in Seattle, right? Like everyone's like, oh, he sucks. Wasn't it your family member was like, yeah, he sucks, or was it somebody else? Yeah, well, no, it was it was my, my brother-in-law who, who like eats and breathes and sleeps football. His point was he was playing really bad that game, and I was also like, hmm. Your definition of bad, which mine's a little different. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. That guy's still a top 12, 15 linebacker. I've worse. Miles Jackson, one of my favorite guys he, over there in Jacksonville, second round pick, although he should have been a top five. And there was a mysterious knee injury that has yet to manifest itself. So point being, you could use a high second round pick, which we potentially could have on a linebacker while going to get, you know, quarterback, not mentioning names, Zach Wilson with the top five pick, you know, at that time. Assuming we don't get the uh, the, the Lawrence or um, Justin Field sweepstakes tickets. No, that, that, that boat sailed. Um, I'm going to go in. We were talking about this before we started recording. My number one thing that chapped my ass during the game yesterday. Um, I've gone out of my way to make sure that I'm not criticizing the coaching staff for dumb things that would make me assume that I know more than the coaches and can make better decisions than them in the course of a game. But as I said to you before we started recording, I wrote coward twice in all caps in my notes during the game on two different instances of Ron Rivera punting the football on fourth down. Absolutely inexplicable. There was, there's nothing you could tell me that would justify the fact of Ron Rivera punting on two different instances. So the first one, as we were talking about pulling up my notes right now, it was, of course, as I do that, I scrolled, scrolled somewhere else and I lost it, but um, it was, I think it was right after the, uh, sorry, there it is. So, Ensuing drive, Cincinnati had cut the lead to seven to six. Um, the Skins had third and, third and four on their own 31. Smith threw a pass to Steven Sims, um, and uh, it fell just short. So it was fourth and one. They tried to draw Cincinnati offsides, and then on fourth and one, I think it's at their 31-yard line, they punted. That was just under – there was about six or seven minutes left in the second quarter. Cincinnati had the ball for 45 plays at that point. 
at that point in the half, 45 plays and racked up 267 yards at that point, again, with six minutes left in the second quarter. That's how much offense they had already accumulated. Your defense was dog tired. Everybody already had their hands around their waist. And on fourth and one, I don't care that it was on your own 31 yard line, you punted. There is nothing in the advanced mathematics that tells you that anyone who has a brain should not go for on fourth and one. You have this bevy of running backs. You have an offensive line against the inferior defensive line. Your offensive, generally speaking, is more talented than the defense they're facing. And on fourth and one, you punted. Absolutely unjustifiable. I could not uh, there, there was nothing you could tell me that'd be like, oh, whatever. I don't care what coaching speak that would be, you would get in return, but no, I, I cannot accept that. And, um, and the Bengals, of course, against our dog tired defense would go down and score the field goal, the go ahead field goal on uh, the next drive. My second instance of this opening drive of the second half for Washington. You just forced Cincinnati to have their lone three and out with Joe Burrow on the field. It was their only time they went three and out. It was their only punt. So Washington gets the ball. Third and third down in it was third down in like nine. Smith had a seven-yard completion to Isaiah Wright. It was fourth and two. Our own 42-yard line. It's basically midfield, and Rivera punts again. What are you telling your defense? What are you telling your offense? Like, what is this? And the ensuing drive, I get it. That's the one where Burrow went down. But on a fourth and one and on a fourth and two, he punted the ball. I can't, I know it's, this is not Madden. I get it. But any team, like if you watch any good team over and over again, I mean, I know we don't have Patrick Mahomes, but like Andy Reid treats fourth downs like it might as well be second down. And that's why their offense is so powerful because you just continue to demoralize the defense because they can't get off the field. And we gave them two opportunities on top of the fact that they were already killing us with this de- these death by paper cut drives. I, I, you can tell I'm obviously a little fired up about this, but it was absolutely ridiculous. And the first time where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This is absolutely unjustifiable to me. Yeah, you're way more fired up this than I am. Uh, I, before this, I didn't even, n- never even crossed my mind I'd go for it on those four downs. Uh, Tress Way, I mean, he's MVP of our team. Got to get him on the field somehow. I get it, but, like, your defense has been on the field all game and has proven they can't stop them until Burrow went down. Nine points. That's true. Yeah. I I, I just – I couldn't couldn't deal with it. I was – I was – literally, there's a few times this season where he's punted on fourth and one or fourth and two, and I'm like, I don't like this whatsoever. Um, I think I think I, it's in so far as if we're on the plus side of the field, he'd go for it. If we're not, he won't go for it. That seems to be his MS. So Unless you're inside the twenty, I I don't I don't believe it's ever a question. Fourth and one is is it might as well be second and one to me. But that's to me and the advanced analytics community. But that notwithstanding, um, I mean you know it's hard to take Tressway off the field, except for the fact that now you're just putting the defense back on the field with Troy Apke on it. Um, let's get to the more positive aspects of the game. Um, three up. I had mentioned, um, Chase Young. I think you mentioned Chase Young. I can't remember if it was on, it was on your list or not, but, um, you know, that, uh, Ben, I think it was Ben Standig of the athletic shout out to Ben Standig, of the athletic wrote this great piece. Boswell. Uh, was it Boswell who he was ripping? I, he was ripping somebody who was saying that Chase he, Young was a bust. He doesn't mention Boswell by name, but it's Boswell. God. Good, to, good to know. I thought he was mentioning just the, the, uh, the idiotic Redskins fans, uh, Washington football team fans who keep saying that like, oh, he's only a bust because he only had yep. one sack since the uh, the Eagles game. But like on Thursday or Friday, Boswell wrote an article saying literally the that. title of it is, is Chase Young overrated or whatever the exact title was. It's like eh, no, 
good to know that <laughs> that's, hot, what, that's what hot, you write about baseball stay there yeah the hot take click brigade has, has made its way to the washington post as well boswell's so established i can't i mean he, somebody must have told him to write some hot take deadline or column or something like that 100 percent um if you so actually yeah. read the article his point is actually fair boswell's uh, yeah Stevens? it's Boswell's because okay. his point in the article is not that Chase Young is overrated. Shooting it's that Herbert's been so good. It's like, Ooh, should you have taken Herbert? But literally the headline is Chase Young's overrated. Hindsight is 50, 50 to quote the great Steve Spurrier. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I but mean, Herb- did come out today for the athletic and basically without saying Boswell's name, been like you're, you're an idiot. Yeah. And you know, in addition to the impact that he's on the, had on the field, Kaim has said this quite often that like, look, watch the game instead of watching the box score. Look at the effect he has play after play. I think anybody who actually watches this team knows one, he causes pressure Two, he routinely draws multiple defenders on him. And three, he, he's more often very, 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 very close to the field. There were at least two different instances where he was like, his hand was inches away from swatting it out of Joe Burrow's hands yesterday. In addition to the big blow up that he had on the two yard line that caused Burrow to fumble with that wacky advanced the ball, then went back into the end zone, but did it. T- they called safety. Ordeal. I was like, only the Redskins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, for a minute, I thought they were giving us a safe. Like, for a hot second, I was like, wait, did Rivera just turn down points? No, no. no. Literally, as soon as I said it, I was like, that means Curl had possession. Because I remember him trying to pick it up, and I was like, God, keep but there were a couple, I think one of my friends, what I was saying, I was like, well, we were briefly on offense for the moment because I thought Curl had possession as he was picking it up. But I was like, did he really like advance it, advance no. it? Like, it was just so bang, bang, if you will. Um, but anyway, that ended how it well, did. For Chase Young, the. I don't know. I don't know how you put this into the into the uh, strategy of the game, into the game planning. He needs to fuck up early, because once he fucks up, he feels so bad about it. He fires himself up, and then he oh, just starts getting angry. Off. Yes, right. <laughs> Which happened yesterday. Yeah, because he should have just blown up Burrow. Right? The RPO should just yeah. blown up Burrow and see what happens. Instead, Burrow ended up running for like fifteen, twenty yards, and then the very next play, yeah, he sheds the uh, left tackle with ease. Brings him down, and then on fourth down, he, he kills Burrow, and we get the ball in the, uh, in the end zone. By the way, that's that left tackle, Jonah Williams, was a top 12 pick in the NFL draft in a really good left tackle in college, playing from the University of Alabama. So it's not like it was just cool. some hobo. Um, Young made him look silly. Yes, very much so. Um, going to the next part of the three up, uh, your boy, Ronald Darby, um, who I infrequently yeah. have nice things to he say about. He great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, we sign him right now. He played great. I will say, if I'm going to, to rain on the parade and make sure that my brand remains on point, um, I think it was, it was a deep pass. When you hate somebody, when you hate somebody, you hate somebody. There's a deep pass on the opening drive of the Bengals. Um, there was deep pass down to Higgins, and um, you could have called P.I. on Darby. They didn't. I was like, it looked really, really, really close. But obviously I didn't, it was I didn't, see, any, I didn't see any laundry on the field. Yeah, I did, there, was, there was no laundry on the field. And um, on uh, the first touchdown drive, he did get beat by Higgins. But, you know, joking aside, Darby did play a really good game. It was the first game where you're like, all right, this is a really, really good performance. Not just he's had all poor performances. Again, he's no Troy Apke. But, like, um, he was markedly really, really good today. In fact, the only time we heard Kendall Fuller's name was right when he got beat on a really good route and a really good throw by Joe Burrow to A.J. Green for the touchdown. But, like, that's, that's really not Fuller's fault. Fuller played that. Yeah, I don't think Fuller well got as, beat. That, was a, that, that ball was money. The ball was money. The route was money. The catch was money. Like I'm not putting that on Fuller at all. Like and Fuller was right the ball, there. 
That ball was money, and Burrow got hit as he was throwing it. Yes. Um, I think Darby's played well all year. Uh, I mean, he got beat a couple times early on, as any quarterback usually does. Uh, but overall, I think Darby's been pretty good. And yesterday, he was. I mean, he had, he had five uh, pass breakups yesterday. Five in one game. Um, a couple games ago, he led us in tackles, which is probably never a good thing when your cornerbacks leading in tackles. But it's like, not be our point is, <laughs> uh, point is, Darby's played well, and he deserves a shout out. It's his best game with the Skins, uh, Washington football team. Uh, Ten games in, I'm very much in the let's resign him because he only signed for a year. Uh, world and, and you like our worse. corner, you could do worse. Our corners have been a pleasant surprise. I was very worried about them coming into the season, uh, and they've been fairly good. When, when Moreau's on the field, he seems to make plays, uh, but he's stuck behind Darby and Fuller and all. And like Moreland's fourth, and then who's our fifth cornerback? Is Danny Johnson a cornerback? Uh, is Stroman, does Stroman play? I don't think know Stroman's still on the team. There you go. That that's there's a fifth corner right there. Um, um, I don't know. But my point my point is, is like they've all played pretty well, and uh, Darby deserves a shout out because they. I mean, Cincinnati made no. They weren't trying to hide it. They tried to pick on Darby. Yes. And um, you know he he was up for the challenge. Kudos to him. Yeah, he played really well. Like you know, facetiousness aside. Um, and uh, as as I said, like you know, you could do a lot worse than him. I would not be opposed. Uh, still not my favorite player in the world, but I would not be opposed to bringing him back, you know, especially on a team-friendly contract because, you know, he's already comfortable in this game and he's clearly shown that he can play and has provided value. And the coaches is obviously – Is a quarterback too? Sum me up. And the coaches have obviously seen something in him, to your point, about putting him over Moreau and, I mean, to a lesser extent, Moreland. Um, but, yeah, um, Moreland's another guy. He just keeps growing. He's oh, He always seems to find himself in the right place at the right time in many cases. Just a guy who's got that nose for Mr. football. Mr. Wide Receiver Scream. Yeah. He um, Dude blows it up every game. He's really, really good at that. It's, it's fun to watch. Um, other two highlights. I mean, it's it's the staple of our things. I'm going to start with Terry McLaurin. Um, the 42-yard catch on the Washington second drive that would lead to Gibson's touchdown carry. Um, I think one of my other things that stuck out for me was that um, – on the drive after the Burrow fumble, Washington went four and out, if I'm not mistaken. But it was third and seven, and Smith took a deep shot to, to, to McLaurin. Uh, they should have absolutely called illegal contact downfield. I can't believe nobody like even made mention of this. The DB was all over him, had his hands, his, was grabbing at his hands the whole way down the field. McLaurin would have caught that if not for the, all the illegal contact. If nothing else, it should have been a penalty. Um, so obviously it didn't happen, but like uh, just another professional performance from McLaurin, which is, you know, basically par for the course these days. Yeah. That catch he had for 42 yards in the middle of sweet. Um, yeah. I, I had, you had Terry as your third up. I had Gibson as my third up. I mean, this dude is just getting better every week. Uh, and he took over in the second half. I think he only had like 10 or 15 yards in the first half. And then he just exploded for 80 plus in the second half. And those runs, um, you know, if you want to really give a shout-out, the offensive line was the PFF offensive line of the week. Uh, Scherf and uh, fucking Wesh, Wesh Schweitzer. Schweitzer, your boy uh, Schweitzer. Were the top two graded guards. And, like, they paved the roads. Gibson hit the holes hard. He he actually went over 100 yards. And then his last two runs, he lost yards. Poor guy. I see you read the Mark Bullock article as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two, ooh, we'll take it back. One more touchdown. Um, 
I think he has 10 already on the year. He leads all uh, rookie running backs in touchdown runs. I think he leads all rookies in touchdowns. Like, total. Wouldn't I mean, be outside of quarterbacks. Outside yeah, yeah. of quarterbacks. Um, so, I gave it to Gibson. You could give it to the offensive line. I don't care who you give it to. Uh, I'm just excited that – and I keep, 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 keep going back to this. I talk about it almost every week. We drafted Gibson with a purpose. We've been patient with him, and we are starting to reap those rewards. Yep. Uh, he is freaking good, and I like you. You harp on this more than I do, but it takes six players to bring him down. Yep. Uh, and I love it. <laughs> so. And to that point, I'm going back, to, I'm excited for him. Mark Bullock did a great piece in the Athletic. I think it was today. Obviously, it would be today because it wasn't yesterday because the game was yesterday. Um, the fact that like. Gibson left some yards on the field against the Lions just by the rawness of him being to the running back position, the newness of it. And he made a marked improvement from the game against the Lions in terms of missing cutback lanes and like up in his, his responsibilities within the context of the running play and looked much more sharp in those aspects against the Bengals. So it wasn't just from a productivity jump, standpoint. He a jump cut for 14 yards. That was sick. My favorite play actually of Gibson. So it was, um, I think it was right after the, it was the drive um, that ended in the field goal by Hopkins, the final field goal that put us up to 20 to seven um, that actually got pushed backwards because of the things that David Sharp holding or clipping or some stupid penalty. Um, one of the few things that he did bad, otherwise we'd only hear his name all day, David Sharp. But um, there was this uh, about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I'm looking at it and his counter tray run where Moses Morgan Moses was pulling around and like blocking yeah, for him. Moses um, played great. That was a great play. But I think the bigger point to me was that um, it was funny because it was, I think it was Arch Deluxe who was the, who was the, uh, the, the, the analyst. And he was like, what a great block by Steven Sims. I'm like, Steven Sims basically just did patty cake with the, uh, with the cornerback. If Sims finished off his block, that was a 40-yard touchdown. Like, all Sims had to do was finish his block and put the guy on his butt. And if he did that, it's clear skies or clear, uh, yeah, clear skies in front, of, uh, in front of Gibson between him and the end zone. And instead, the corner who Sims didn't finish blocking was the one who tackled Gibson. But, like, it was just fun to watch that old, like, you get flashback 30 years ago, watching it 40 years ago, I should say, running um, – running style, which like, you know, you got the big offensive line, but pulling around the running back following him. It was a great play. And I think Moses washed his guy out as he's supposed to. And um, Gibson, unfortunately, couldn't, got tripped up by that one corner, but that was, a, it was a really, really fun play to watch. But wonder, in general, he's I just, asked my I asked my friends this today. I wonder if, like, let's, let's say Moses plays really well, left tackle the rest of the season. Like, or I guess Lucas may be back this week, so we'll say let's say let's say Moses plays left tackle again this week against Dallas, and plays really well, and we get another really like PFF today wrote a whole blurb on our offensive line because they were so dominant. Now, granted, we're playing Cincinnati, yeah, they're not good, but Dallas's defensive line is not very good either. I mean, Lawrence is good. Uh, my point is, is like if Moses plays well again on left tackle, do you keep him there? Because it's the most important spot on that line. Schweitzer's played great. Scherf's played great. Rouye is kind of like middle of the pack. And, I mean, the only time we heard Sharp's name yesterday was that clipping. My suspicion goes back to no on that. And the reason why is because you have to, you have to assume, you have to assume, not no, but that – like there's like the little synergies that each player has with each other in the course of an offensive line. And so like, you have to assume that um, Schweitzer is on the left, left, yeah, the left side Schweitzer and Lucas are when Lucas is back on the field. I think Moses will probably have to play one more game on the left side um, 
against Dallas because of the short turnaround, and then probably Lucas will be back uh, the game after, which is C Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. We'll get to that in a second too. Um, but uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, but even when that happens, um, I think like having the chemistry that whatever semblance it is that Lucas and Schweitzer have on the left side, obviously Sheriff and Moses playing together for so long on the right side, like you're better yeah. off that way. And then no, I totally it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question that you're asking though. But he's, he's been so good and so steady and he's cheap. Yes. I mean, he's not, not cheap for a right tackle. He's probably middle of the pack for right tackles now. Uh, but and he probably would demand more money, I guess, if we did move him to left tackle. Because of the uh, Yeah, but, I mean, just an idea. I, I mean, I was so pleasantly surprised by how well the whole offensive line played uh, all year. I mean, it's we're around week 10, and I'm like, maybe this offensive line isn't terrible. I think it helps that Alex Smith is back there. Uh, I think Dwayne would be getting sacked six times a game. Can we talk about that for a second? So I had a few people, I I had a friend text me this or in my Slack and I've seen, you know, idiot Washington fans talk about this. They're like, well, if Smith only finished with 165 or whatever yards it was, they're like, what's the difference between putting him in and playing Haskins? Do we remember how bad Haskins was at the beginning of the year? Our (laughs) offense was inept when Haskins was in there, like we could do nothing. If we completed a pass, it was cause for celebration. Like that was our standard for Dwayne Haskins and people like, well, Smith isn't dynamic anymore. When, when was the last time we had a quarterback over back-to-back 300 yard games? Like riddle me this man. Like when was the first Probably time Haskins? Like has has I think he has one three hundred yard game to his name so far in the NFL. Yeah, then he hyped himself up after he got benched. Yeah, it was against the Ravens, right? So then you go. That was <laughs> so. There you go. That's the effort that we that we had a three hundred yard game against, or the three hundred game three hundred yard game out of. And pe- I, I, there are people who are like, well, we should if Smith looks like this, we should just continue playing Haskins. I'm like, what Dwayne Haskins were you watching to, that would make you think that it's a good idea to put it in? And on top of that, like. Of all the things wrong with this team, do you think Alex Smith, like making a change at quarterback, is the de- is the decision to make here? Like, you think that's the problem that needs to be fixed out of all the things we have got going on? I, I don't, I don't understand what game people are watching at some point. I actually think that if Smith or Allen, either or, I don't care which one, had started the season, we'd have at least one more win. At least, at least one more win. I think do- we probably, we probably beat. I don't know who. Maybe the Browns or somebody. I was going to say uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. I, I think. I think maybe the playing time with may have changed with how we played against the Giants. Uh, like I honestly think we would have one more win at least with if we had rolled into this season with them. Imagine um, the comfort level we probably would have had in the offense, like against the Giants. To your point, be cruising. Right? Yeah, be like, cruising. If it wasn't, if it was like Smith, a healthy Smith, I know that's obviously a, you know is different given those circumstances. Or but maybe Kyle Allen, right? Like. You have to imagine. I mean, the Browns game ended in two touchdown loss, but I think one of them was a turnover late in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like we're not beating the Rams, or the Ravens, but like, yeah, absolutely. It, probably not the Cardinals either. Cardinals. Good it's it's little things. Uh, I can't remember a name. I ask this every week. The Washington Post reporter uh, who's new this year from she came over from the Athletic. Uh, oh, uh, Nikki Javala, right? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she tweeted out a, a play today after Rivera mentioned it in his press conference. He's basically – apparently the play was so basic and simple to all of us, but apparently Scott Turner literally relayed down to Ron Rivera, like, that's why Alex is in the game. 
Uh, and it was, I think, second and nine from like the four, our own four. And it's it literally, it's just a quick screen to Cam Sims that goes for 12 yards or something. But apparently it was not the play we called. Smith checked to it because he saw, he read the defense, balls out of his hands immediately, we picked up 12 yards, and all of a sudden, we, I think we went down and scored a field goal in that drive. That's like little things that Smith does that we never noticed that coaches love. I mean, there's a reason this dude has started as many games as he had. He hasn't been dynamic once in his career. He had like one outlier pretty good year with the Chiefs right before Mahomes, and that's when we traded for him. The Kareem Hunt year, the big Kareem yeah. Hunt rookie year. Yeah, he had that one year, but like this dude just like doesn't lose games, and he, like he's the definition. He's what Kirk Cousins should have been. Yeah. Uh, we just got him way too late. Uh, I'm also very pro with him being our quarterback next year. Uh, but, like, we probably win a couple games. And I, I don't think he played great yesterday no. by any means. He's um, thrown four interceptions the last three games. Like, let's not get it twisted, right? Like, the yeah. performance against the Giants was really frustrating, right? I'm not saying Alex Smith looks like Alex Smith circa 2017, to your point, right? But, like, of all the things wrong with the team, you're – Worried about switching, no, but, he, but he, he moves. He moves the he moves the offense, um, and the the Giants game, the picks. Honestly, he was just trying to make a play. He like hadn't started in years. It was a second game, uh, although they were really bad picks. Um, I'm excited for Smith. It really for him like not a great game, but it was the most Alex Smith game. I mean, we were sit with six and four in his starts two years ago because the Texans game technically is his start. But, like, he threw for 178 yards in, like, every game, and we won because we took care of the ball. We kind of – we owned the time of possession. Uh, it's little things like that, and he's just seemingly doing it again. Although, he balled out against the Lions. That was kind of fun to watch. It was fun to see our offense go up and down the field like that. Yes. Stop anyone from doing so, but yeah. Um, but it leads us to Dallas. It leads right. us to – like this, I mean, when was the last time we played a game this late in the year that mattered? Honestly, it was actually such a duality watching the Cowboys Vikings game because um, I was rooting. I, I, I was rooting for the demise of Kirk Cousins because I always root for the demise of Kirk Cousins because I'm a spiteful person like that. But I also didn't want to see Dallas win because I, I never want to see Dallas win under any circumstance whatsoever. Um, but if there's a silver lining to come out of Dallas winning the game is that I love the idea of Dallas coming into this game and smelling themselves being like, yeah, we won, we beat Minnesota, yada, yada. Like, you know, um, basically just kind of coming in on this high and like not taking this week as seriously because Mike McCarthy is adult and, um, and just kind of coming in riding this, like, you know, the sense of self over sense of self-worth versus like us who, I don't know, you could say the same thing, but like, then again, um, you know, we beat a Joe Burrow this team at the end of the day, but nonetheless, I'm going to take the preparation of Ron Rivera and even Scott Turner over the you know the dipshits in Dallas. So, I like that. Um, Dallas did play markedly better against Minnesota than they two have. Two straight games. Two over. straight games they played pretty well. Yeah, um, Zeke and Tony Pollard. Tony, yeah, Tony Pollard. Um, I want to call him Scott Pollard, but that's NBA. Tony Pollard were uh, both Gibson's, played really well. Gibson's college teammate. Um, yes, at Memphis. And um, offensive line is a little bit of a mess. They're not – I don't remember what Dalvin Cook finished with his final stat line, but, like, in if this was five games ago, Dalvin Cook might have run for 400 against the Cowboys because the Cowboys were giving up everything. Like, I could have gotten 100 against the Cowboys' defensive line. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the history would say that the Cowboys would win this game on Thursday just because 
it's that's it's very how, one against us on Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, that and plus, you know, at best we always split with them. I I think the last time we swept them was like ninety five. So if that, no um, that's the last distinct memory I have of us sweeping them. Heath Schuler team, um, but yeah. So Heath, Heath. How about great top five top five quarterbacks. Um, uh, no, go ahead. I. So Dallas has been playing a lot better. They kind of went toe-to-toe with the Steelers. Or at least they stayed in the game for a long time. Uh, and they, they, I think they had their bye week. Um, I called that a hangover game for the Steelers because the Steelers had a big win against the Ravens the week before, and I totally saw yeah. a hangover on that. I don't think that was as much about Dallas as it was about Pittsburgh kind of like having a hangover. But continue. And then, they, But then they went into Minnesota and beat a Minnesota team that, that won was a, a couple game. games in a row. Yeah. Uh, a, healthy, a healthy Minnesota team. That even though Thielen's now on the COVID list, uh, but he played in that game. Um, I don't. I didn't know the stat. We haven't swept them since like '95 or whatever. That's. I can't think of any other time we have swept them. So like that's the only that's, one I distinctly remember in my head. That's just so sad. Because um, even in 2012, I, think, I don't think we swept them. Uh, I, uh, I. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is, I'm very excited for this game. Like I'm already anxious for it. No, we did Thanksgiving and then the season ender. So it's 2012 Griff's here because we beat him on Thanksgiving and then we beat him oh, to win right. the NFC title. So yes, 2012. And that Thanksgiving game with Griffin. Was maybe the, the highlight greatest, of my Redskins fandom. I one mean, of the greatest was, Redskins games ever. We smoked them. That first half is uh, as well as this team has played since yeah. Gibbs won. Aldrick Robinson had a Santana had a touchdown. Pierre Garçon had a touchdown. Alfred had Garcon. a couple of touchdowns. Uh, the yeah, so I, I you you convinced me to pick us last week. I actually initially picked us to lose to the Bengals. You convinced me otherwise. Uh, you got me to drink the Kool Aid. I'm gonna say we're gonna beat Dallas. I I do think I do think that like expectations need to be set that I think this will be a much closer game than than when we smoked them at home. Yeah. Um. Honestly, these are this is this is the season. Like if we lose this game. We're not going to win the division. If we win this game, then all bets are off. Fucking go for it. Like, we're in the driver's seat at that point. Uh, but if we lose, it's it's Zach Wilson season. If we win, it's like, let's go win this division. I don't know if it's, uh, gonna be, if it, if it's Zach Wilson season, even if we win this game. Because as we were just alluding to a second ago, look at after Dallas. Look at that mess. I know, I know, but it puts us up a game. It and, puts us up a game, but mother of Christ, after Dallas, it's – at Pittsburgh, so Lost. we're going to finish with less than 100 yards of offense in that game total. Um, it's Easy. at San Francisco, so Kyle Shanahan's going to pants us. I don't care who their quarterback is. He's still going to pants our defense. Uh, home versus Seattle, and as we were saying over text. Um, Nick well, Mullins? Dude, San Francisco's not that good. <sighs> now, granted, Shanahan does hate the Redskins. Exactly, so the right? <laughs> And then after that, uh, Seattle comes to town. So Russ is going to drop 400 passing and another 100 rushing and have five to six combined touchdowns. So that's that. That does not, for my sanity, that does not need to happen. Um, on top of, I mean, if there's one winnable game, and I don't think it's nearly as winnable as everyone's going to make it out to be, is Carolina in week 16. Um, At home, team will be fired up for Ron. We shouldn't what? overlook them, man. They just shut out the Lions, who we lost to last week, right? Like I'm lower. I'm lower. Um, and then – uh, and then we got Philadelphia in week 17 and my hot take, which is really not that hot at all. I believe there's a strong chance Carson Wentz is not the quarterback of the Eagles in that week 17 game. I do believe as you referenced earlier, Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the Eagles in that game because they hate their coach Carson Wentz. 
already already is saying Peterson's already saying I should probably get him on the field more. Yeah, like uh, Wentz Wentz's time is ticking. Yeah, it's I, I don't think Wentz is going to be the starter in that Week 17 game. I re, if you had to put a gun to my head, I think Jalen Hurts, and I would love that because I am going to firmly remain the captain of the Jalen Hurts is terribly overrated boat. Um, so, but that's that. Uh, so my point none is none of those games matter though if we don't beat Dallas. Exactly. Well, so that's the thing, right? That we're all that this is all moot, but. Like I said, I mean, like realistically, like okay, let's just let's let's trying to be objective. Like you can theoretically say we can compete against Dallas. Obviously, I'll concede that at least San Francisco, in theory, looks like a much more winnable game. Yeah, cut moments. You could say Carolina, and then let's even talk about the Eagles game. So that's one, two, three, four, three, four, four. four on top of what do we have right now? We have three wins. So. That puts us in seven nine, which seven and nine, which might as well be fourteen and two in the NFC East. But like none of it matters if we don't beat Dallas. Oh, 100 percent. It's it's divisional. It would give us uh, a chance to get the four wins in the division. Um, like if we beat Dallas, you're I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so in on like whatever the odds are for the Redskins to win. Put all your money on it because I'm gonna be I'm gonna the Kool Aid is gonna be flowing in Seattle for the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Um, it's, it's such a fun game to me because I'm like, it, it's almost midnight your time. So sorry for keeping you awake. But Not like, at all. But like, to me, this is the ultimate game. This is as a fan. How can you not be excited? It's national televised. Chase Young's going to eat. We're playing Dallas. If we win, like <laughs> the NFC is so bad that we have a legit chance. We'll be in first place. I don't even care if it's for two days. Uh, P.S. Dallas turns around and plays the Ravens. Uh, so that's a loss. Then they do get the Bengals. Uh, but if we lose, then we're like, okay, let's go get the – let's go get Wilson get or Lance. Get some, yeah. We're playing for picks at that point. So, like, it's win-win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the Jets and the Jaguars have Trey Lance and Justin Fields wrapped up. Like, let's uh, that's that. So, let's uh, – like I said, if, um, if you're a Washington fan, start doing your Zach Wilson homework. I'm still going to tout him over. I'm going to over over Trey Lance, um, but that's me. Yeah, I uh, just take one of them. I don't care. But it's all in. Um, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure neither of us are going to be recording on Thursday evening after the game, considering it's Thanksgiving and it's going to be food coma out beyond belief. I'll probably be in bed by 8:30 p.m. just because of the sheer amount of calories consumed. Um, to that end, for everyone listening who's made it this far, hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Don't travel. Please don't travel. Please don't expose yourself to COVID. Please don't tell me it's fake. It's not. And just try to do your best to stay safe and keep other people safe. Um, and then, you know, the usual spiel about subscribe to us everywhere else you can. But uh, happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners and for those who are celebrating. Enjoy the four-day weekend. For those who don't celebrate Thanksgiving, any other final thoughts? Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Wonderful. Go, Wonderful. go Skins. Go Skins. F Dallas. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.